Paul's letter to the Romans 13 11-14, 14-1-4. Brethren, salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed, the night is far gone, the day is at hand. Let us then cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light, let us conduct ourselves becomingly as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh, to gratify its desires. As for the man who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not for disputes over opinions. One believes he may eat anything, while the weak man eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who abstains and let not him who abstains pass judgment on him who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld, for God is able to make him stand. Dash 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 dash. If you have ever traveled with a child, you will have heard the question, multiple times, are we there yet? If you still needed to travel for four or five more hours, you wouldn't say, yes, we are just about there, unless you are a liar. One child may say to the other, I don't know when we'll get there, but I know we will get there eventually. In such a statement, there is a level of trust on the child's part that dad and mom will provide for them, protect them, and bring them to their destination. The same idea is found in Scripture. As Christians, we can talk among ourselves and say, I don't know when the end is, but I do know that it is coming, and it will come at the perfect time. We can say this for two reasons. One, God has explicitly stated in Scripture that no one knows the day or the hour, metaphorically speaking when, history will end. But we do know that it will, for there will come a time when everyone who has ever lived will stand before the judgment seat of God. And two, God has stated in Scripture that history will end, death will be ultimately defeated, Satan will be destroyed, and everyone will live for eternity in the state that they formed for themselves while alive. If you strove for holiness and for loving your neighbor, you will enjoy an eternity in the presence of the holiness of God. But if you spent your time seeking after pleasure and comfort, you will find the holiness of God unpleasant. Your eternity will be spent trying to get away from the love of God. You rejected and ignored Him while alive, why would you then enjoy His holiness in eternity? With that in mind, what then is Paul speaking of at the beginning of this passage? What does he mean that salvation is nearer now than it was when we first believed? As I have said many times in the past, Jesus' work fulfilled the requirements of the Old Covenant and defeated the power of sin and death over man, bringing mankind back into a relationship with God. When Paul is writing his passage, he is speaking of that transition. Jesus completed his work in his death, resurrection, and ascension but the Old Covenant was still yet to finalize, which took place in the destruction of Jerusalem by the Roman army. God ultimately finished off Judaism by the destruction of the Temple, making any ritual practice impossible. Paul is looking forward to that coming destruction, defining its completion as the day of salvation. It is at that point that God's work is done and it is now time for man to begin again the fulfillment of the original command to take dominion over the earth. It is in the preaching of the Gospel to the world at large that salvation comes to mankind. Bringing to mind Jesus' metaphors of the growth of the Gospel like a mustard seed, or like yeast, the Christian faith will spread over the entire planet, bringing salvation to all. Paul goes on to describe the lifestyle change that will be plainly evident in the life of the believer. He will not be like he was in the past. He will not be involved in the practices of darkness, reveling, drunkenness, debauchery, licentiousness, quarreling and jealousy. Because man has been freed from the power of sin and death, he is now in a place to not sin. It is his responsibility to work out his salvation and live as one of the people of God. Paul continues with a discussion of the difference between those who are strong in their faith and those who are weak. This is a perfect example of how those in the church are to live a life of loving one's neighbor. Those who are strong are not to judge or speak ill of those who are weak. 
using the common image of food as an example, the people who believe eating certain foods to be wrong, should not judge those who do eat, nor should he do anything against his conscience, by eating said food. When we put the well-being of others first, we will do nothing that may mislead or cause someone else to stumble in their faith. The strong ought not say, I have the right to do this. If someone else doesn't like it, then too bad for him. And at the same time, the weak ought not say to the strong, you shouldn't be doing that because I think it's wrong. This is all about not judging others and minding your own business. As Paul says, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is not our place to tell someone else something they are doing or not doing, is right or wrong. Our responsibility is for ourselves. We are to walk our own path, as part of the church, striving after holiness, forgiveness, confession, and repentance. As John says in the book of Revelation, at the final judgment, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. The judgment that we will face at the end of history is a judgment of what we have done or not done. We will not be judged for what others have done, nor will we face a sentencing of condemnation. The way we have shaped our lives in our time while physically alive will determine the state of our eternity. Those who have sought after God, have sought after holiness, and worked at loving their neighbor, will stand in bliss in the presence of God.